Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Well, I want to start with a question, and uh, this is going to require you to answer a little bit. Uh, my question would be this. I've been going through something called grace training, and uh, one of the questions that he asks is, what are some common categories of vulnerable people in the Bible? So, uh, you know, if you don't have the right answer, we'll try to make it look like the right answer or what have you. But just so that I could hear some of the answers of what you might think. So, common categories of vulnerable people. Anybody want to give me a shout out? I'm sorry? Widows, yes. Widows and orphans. I'll add orphans if that's fair enough to you. I know you were going to say orphans, but you didn't want to take it all. You wanted to share a little bit. So, widows and orphans. Very good. Very generous of you. Thank you. Uh, Who else? What else? Who else? Slaves, okay, slaves, all right, definitely, or the oppressed, right, some form of oppressed, all right, in the back row. I'm, I, you know, I'm hard of hearing, Josie over there, the other, was talking about a bubble, and I said basketball, so you have to shout it at me. Samaritans, okay, thank you, well, I still didn't hear you when you shouted, see, that's why you get old people, man, I need a hearing aid, but anyway, uh, who else? I'm sorry? Sick people, the sick and the afflicted, yes. Those who are sick and afflicted. Anyone else? Immigrants, foreigners, and sojourners. And I think when, you, when we get all these together, you pretty much have those main categories of vulnerable people in the Scripture. Today I would add old people. Not because I'm old, but I would add old people because uh, as people get older, people find scams and ideas and ways in which they can often rip them off. I don't know if there's anyone here, but if you've ever had a parent who has had money stolen from them, someone who calls and says, hey, uh, this and that and this and that, and can you send some money? And they send money and the person doesn't even really exist. They've been scammed. So people take advantage of old people because old people, they're feeling lonely, they're feeling left out, and it's easy for someone to come along and scam them. And I would say not just widows and orphans, but I would add women and children today because you can be a widow and be a very, very powerful, rich, powerful person. So uh, in all those in mind, what I want us to understand is with all those categories, God really cares about the vulnerable. Now, before we hop into the passage that I want to look at, I want to give you a little bit of my journey on how I would understand the vulnerable. About 30 years ago, the first church that I was at, we had a season where almost 15 to 20 young teenage girls came and expressed how they were being abused by either a grandfather, a father, an uncle, brother, neighbor, somebody that they knew. And, and that was my first exposure to people being vulnerable. See, I had grown up in a middle-class neighborhood, a good neighborhood, and those things didn't exist in my neighborhood. And so when I went into ministry and got into this, I was beginning to think, like, wow, this is crazy. How does stuff like this happen? Uh, but it didn't end there. I remember speaking at a Chinese camp years ago, and I raised the issue, and afterwards, some of the youth pastors were coming up and saying, hey, can you talk to this person? Can you talk to this person? And the frustration that I felt, because as we talked about their abuse, the answer was, but we could do nothing about this. Because it's family, and if you tell on family, and then all the other stuff that's going to happen, it's very, it was discouraging to see here were vulnerable people admitting to their vulnerability, going back home to remain vulnerable with nothing to do about it. It was a frustration for me. And the journey continues to grow. Even last year, one of the friends that I have that's at Stateville was sharing with me, he's going through a domestic violent class. He said, you know what, can you 
buy me these books, and before you send them to me, read them to me. So the first one that I read uh, was a book entitled Domestic Violence, What Every Pastor Needs to Know, uh, by another pastor named Al Miles. And as I read that book and realized that there is so much vulnerability, even in the church, and I don't mean vulnerability like I'm going to tell you here's my weakness, but vulnerability in the sense there are people to take advantage of, and then sometimes in church we do nothing about it. And it was frustrating to actually read that. And so what we decided to do as an elder board is to get something called grace training, which is a godly response to accountability and Christian experience. And the idea behind the grace training is to train us as a church, how is it that we can actually protect and care for people who are vulnerable? And that training has opened up my eyes because I thought, you know, yeah, I kind of I get an idea of this and I understand all this and... And then I said, mm, I don't really understand this at all. I don't get it. And so today what I want to talk about is God's heart for the vulnerable. So if you have your Bibles, or if we could put up here, Kenny, if you could skip to number three. I'm going to go at number three. I wrestled with this all week long. But I'm going to start with Exodus chapter 22, verses 21 through 24. And it reads this way. You must not mistreat or oppress foreigners in any way. Remember, you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. You must not exploit a widow or an orphan. If you exploit them in any way and they cry out to me, then I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will blaze against you and I will kill you with the sword. Then your wives will be widows and your children fatherless. Is that not a heavy verse? I wrestled with this set of verses all week long because what I I think it exposes the heart of God, but there's something in this that really scares me about the heart of God. I mean, the thought that God says, my anger will blaze against you and I will kill you with the sword is not the kind of verse that you want to read, right? I mean, it's, it's very uncomfortable to listen to that voice. And, and, and as I thought about it all week long and tried to understand, I'm going to take the chicken interpretation of all of this. I'm going to look at the forest and not the tree because I'm a little bit nervous about how this verse works itself out. Because what I hear in these verses is the heart of God for the oppressed, for the afflicted for the sojourner, for the foreigner, for the widow and for the orphan, the kind of people who can't stand up for themselves. The kind of people that God wanted his people, Israel, (coughs) and God wants his church to actually stand up for. Now, for those of us that have children, what is one of the dreams that you have for your children? This is going to get a little awkward because I I want them to be a doctor. I want them to be, okay, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think we should want them to be the best that they can be. One of the dreams that I have for my children is that my children would be like me. And my daughter's sitting here going, I don't want to be like you at all. <laughs> you're strange. You tell bad jokes. You think you're funny and you're not. All that other stuff. No, but my, my hope and desire has always been for my children to have a sense of kindness, a sense of generosity, a sense of wanting to help people who are in trouble, people who are weak, who are are vulnerable. And that's one of my biggest desires. That's what I want to see for my children. And so when I read this verse, 
what I, I hear God saying is, listen, you are my children. You are my children, and because you are my children, and because I have given you so much, I want you to take what I have given to you and to pass it on. And when you were vulnerable, I rescued you. And when you see someone who's vulnerable, I want you to rescue them. Does that make sense? That's the forest picture because what God is saying is, I have a heart for the vulnerable. And if you don't protect and care for the vulnerable, I'm going to get angry. I think if you're a parent, one of the things that you'll grasp in this is the idea that when you teach your children how to share and then watch them not share, don't you get angry? Right? Like, you give your kids so much. You take them here, you take them there, and for one instance, they don't want to share a little bit of their hamburger. Bad Parenting 101. Don't you get angry? Right? You know what I'm saying? It's that, it's that, you've got to be kidding me. <coughs> I did all of this for you today, and you're going to fight over that? And I think that's part of the heart of God that says, listen... I have done so much for you in your vulnerability that I want you to turn around and help and protect those who are vulnerable as well. And when you don't, I get angry. And when I look at this, those are some pretty strong words. Are they not? Read it again with me. My anger will blaze against you, and I will kill you with the sword. Then your wives will be widows and your children fatherless. It does not make sense to me, but it reveals the heart of God. A heart that I don't fully understand, but a heart that says, listen, <coughs> my heart is for people who are vulnerable. Remember your vulnerability. And one of the other things that I thought about this church, how many of you uh, dated a lot in high school and college? Let's, just ha- let's have a, a moment of vulnerability, different word, but let's just see how many of you are really going to be honest. You know, brother, that never helps, but you're a good police officer. Thank you, sir. I can't see the top of you, though. No, no, but none of you dated. Wow, we are a bunch of losers. <laughs> Come on now. How many of you dated in college and high school? Did anyone ever cheat on you? Does anyone ever want to recall that experience where you really, really liked someone and then they cheated on you? And how did you feel? You felt horrible. You felt violated. You felt like you're giving your heart to this person, and then that person looks at your heart, drops it on the floor, steps on it a few times, and then drops a rock on it, walks away absolutely uncaring. How many of you would remember that experience? Obviously, I remember many of those experiences. But in all that remembering, it reminds me that this is how it went with me. I will not do that to you. And so God is saying, here is my heart. This is what I rescued you from. This is what I took you from. And now when you realize how gracious and how important that has been, that you yourselves will turn around and do the same. And if you don't remember this, you will experience my anger. That's the heart of God. You see, if we look at the verse and say, well, God is just reminding them not to do something bad, that's kind of like a negative sort of karma. You know, what goes around comes around. But I think what I would want to see here more in a forced perspective is the heart of God. He is so brokenhearted that he gets so angry at it. 
which takes me back to my kids. I love my kids, but when they do things that break my heart, I respond in anger. Not necessarily a good thing. I'm not saying that it's something that you should do, but I'm telling you that's the heart of God. Why? Because my goal is that you will be like me. My goal is that you will be generous like I am. My goal is that you'll be wanting to help people just like I do. And that that would be the goal that you follow through in life. And when you don't, I get angry. It's not that I don't love you. It's because I do love you and want what's best for you. And so I start with that verse because I want us to see the heart of God and how it affects our lives and how we should actually live our lives. Uh, go to first uh, James chapter 1, verses uh, 26 and 27. James says this. He says, If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Here again, you see the heart of God, the care that he has for those people who are vulnerable, and he links it to the reality of our religion. You see, if we came to church every Sunday, and you went to every small group that you're supposed to, and you came to all the Lenten prayer meetings, six in the morning and nine at night, and you did all the good things that you did, but you did not care for the vulnerable, God is saying your religion is worthless. There's no value in it. You see, the heart of God is to reach those who are vulnerable. And when you can say, go and be filled, you've missed the point of the heart of God. God wants us to be actively involved in the world that we live in, helping to protect and care for those who are vulnerable. Do you remember when I told you about when I walk into a room and I see another guy and I think, like, can I take him? Can I take him? Do you remember that? The other weird thing that I do, and I talk to myself a lot, and I'm a very weird person, but when I talk to myself a lot, whenever I go to, like, parks and stuff like that, when I'm walking the dog, and, uh, and I see a bunch of, you know, younger girls um, playing on the swings or whatever they're doing, my first thought is, I'm going to be a hero. When that trafficker comes along... I'm going to fight them because I'm going to protect those girls. That's the thought that goes on inside of my head. Everywhere I go, I mean, it's a really weird situation. So either I'm picking a fight or trying to be a hero, which is really hard to live life. But when I, when I, when I do that, whenever I see someone who is alone, I always think if someone messes with them, I'm going to do something. Now, I mean, this is the time in life where I wish I was like Jack Reacher. Do you guys know who Jack Reacher is? He's probably like about 6'6", 275, and takes every... Only a few of you are like, only the guys are one. But, but I'm me, so I'm expecting that I'm going to get my brains bashed in someday trying to protect someone that I don't know. But I think that's the heart of God, isn't it? It's the heart of God to protect those who are vulnerable, whoever they might be, to spend our lives protecting those who are weak. Because the heart of God wants to protect those who are weak and wants to bring them into his family. It's, 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 it's anybody. Go to Matthew 25, verses 40 and 45. And this is Jesus, and this is what he says. And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And in verse 45, same theme, but a little bit different. 
And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refused to help the least of my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. This is where Jesus is separating the sheep and the goats. He's not separating them on this group over here. You all believed in a pre-tribulational, pre-millennial rapture. You are all good and going to heaven. And those of you over here that are amillennial or post-millennial, too bad, you're out. He's not saying that. He doesn't care about your theology, per se. Don't take that all the way. He does care about theology. But he doesn't care about pre-trib and post-trib. What he cares is how did you live your life and who did you help? And so who are we supposed to help? The hungry? The thirsty? The stranger? The naked? The sick? The prisoner? All those are the ones that we are supposed to help. Those who are vulnerable. I remember when I was a chaplain at Cook County and one of the prisoners said, Hey, man, how do you know that you're really a Christian? Can you show us? And I said, listen, I'm not the greatest guy ever, but when I read Matthew 25, just the fact that I try to help the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, and the prisoner, and they can see that right there as we're sitting in that circle, in that Bible study, what what are they seeing? They're seeing the heart of God. They're seeing who Jesus really is to come to the vulnerable. I didn't have to go down there. It was an hour and a half drive some mornings and an hour back. And it was just for an hour and it was a very uncomfortable setting. But it's a way to say, listen, what really matters to God is the vulnerable. His heart to protect. His heart to care. And it's and I, and I wish in a way you know and I, I don't remember where I said this I say this last week in youth group I think in last week youth I said I wish I was God because I would do things differently it was the last week wasn't it okay I was just testing to see if you were paying attention yeah I mean because I really would like to do if I were God I would do things differently for those who oppress I'd like to crush them that's it no mercy no grace just crush them totally doing it different but God is some way so different so hard to imagine it and think that he would give mercy and grace so much. But the mercy and grace that he wants to give is, is not only to the oppressed, but also the oppressor. Which also throws me for a loop, because I wonder, God, what is going on here? I don't understand how you can have so much love. But it is that very love that makes God angry when the vulnerable are oppressed. Well, let me finish with this. How many of you guys ever watch uh, movies where at the end of the movie you feel very small, you feel very insignificant, and you think with all the evil out there that there's absolutely nothing you can do? Anybody here? Am I the only person that watches? You know, like, uh, you could name a movie like, uh, what is, uh, I can't, okay, mind blank, suddenly, yeah. Keanu Reeves, what's that? Uh, yeah, 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 thank you. Thank you so much. I, I gotta, gotta get a hearing aid. Yeah, John Wick, you kind of watch those movies and you think, all those evil people out there, you know, there's no way I can do anything. There's no way I can do anything that would even make a difference. And I want to just curl up in fear and go, oh, God, leave me alone. I, I can't help people. There's too much evil that, that's out there. And if, if that's what we actually walk away with, then we've missed the point of who God is and how he wants to reach the vulnerable, how he wants to reach and touch the lives to protect and to care for them. And so the simple things that I can look at our church doing is by actually taking the grace training. The grace training opens up our eyes to see who is vulnerable. 
You know, we might sit in our church, and this is one of the things that I learned from the training, which was a little surprising. We might sit there and think, come on, man, in our church, vulnerable people, spouse abuse, nah, that doesn't happen here. Child abuse, no, that doesn't happen here. Any kind of abuse, that's not us. But it might not be, and I hope it isn't, but it's most likely that it is. Maybe even someone sitting in here right now. It might not be happening now, but it has happened in the past. This is something that affects the whole church. You see, what I, what I really think God wants from the church is the church would be known for the way it loves people, for the way it loves the vulnerable, for the way it protects and cares for them. And so, if you ever get the chance, I would pray that you would take this grace training because it will open up your eyes to see that God's heart is really for those who need to be protected and cared for. That's just a, a, a very simple little thing. Another very simple little thing is, and this sounds really weird, but if you're watching porn, cut it out. It's a supply and demand thing. And I remember years ago um, where I heard this story where they put this robot 12-year-old girl online worldwide from the Philippines, and within a few seconds, she had 100,000 replies on how we can do stuff with you. That just absolutely amazes me. I'm surprised by something like that. How do we end stuff like that? You cut it out. You stop. That's a small part that we can do. You see, God really has a heart for the vulnerable. He really cares for people who can't protect themselves. And he wants the church to be his hands, his feet, his heart, to stand in between and say, we will protect. We will care. This came to life to me as I was listening to someone share her story of a man that she was dating and how he just beat the daylights out of her. And just to listen to what this man had done, whether she should, you know, some people say, well, she deserved it. No, no. Nobody deserves to be beaten. Nobody deserves to be raped. Nobody deserves to be abused. That doesn't make sense. But, but to see that nothing happens to this guy and he walks free is crazy. It's crazy to me. And so my, my, my anger grows when I hear stories like that and feel like, what is our church going to do? What am I going to do to grab onto God's heart and to seek to protect and care for those who are vulnerable. I can remember the youth group small group that I had with the four like freshman, sophomore, junior girls and just arguing with them about dating the bad boy or not. And just the, the, the anger I would get. And then I, I think of my kids. If anyone ever touched my kids, what would I do? What would I do? And I'm reminded then, that not it the heart of a father? I can't imagine a father who really cares about his children would watch their children be abused and go, eh, what can you do about it? Just move on. No, I think the heart of the father gets angry. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid if something ever happens like that to my children because I'm afraid of what I would do. I cannot handle prison. I'm too good looking, right? Oh, you're all lying right now, but thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I just don't know what I would do. I think that's the heart of God. Not because I'm a great guy, 
I'll be honest with you, I've been numb all week towards this topic. I have no idea why. I think I know why, which is not a good reason, but I've just been numb to this. I am not a great human. I am not a great follower of Jesus many a time. But when I read the Word and see the heart of God, how can the church not do something to protect the vulnerable? How can we not care for the vulnerable? Do whatever we can for the vulnerable. Whatever it takes in order to minister to them. And so my prayer, if you got nothing out of what I said, which to me doesn't make a world of difference, unless the heart of God has really pierced your heart and said, take care of the vulnerable. Let's pray. Prayer takes a lot of time, and there's a lot of things that go into it. I'm going to give you a little prayer. I'm not going to pray it. I'm going to ask you to pray it, and it's going to sound like a mantra. But the simple prayer that I want you to reflect on for the next few moments is, God, give me your heart. Say it different ways. God, give me your heart. God, give me your heart. You get the idea. And I want to pray that you take a few moments and pray through that prayer and ask that God would give you his heart. Father, when I looked at my heart this week, it was pretty clear that I did not have your heart. My heart was focused on me. Offenses given towards me. My heart was stuck on me. And my heart refused to budge. And it's still fighting for what it believes is right for me. I see the theme and I pray for myself. I pray for everyone here. God, we need to feel your heart. Yes, we need to feel your heart for us, but we also need to feel your heart for others. And I want to ask, God, that for all of us here, that we don't glimpse your heart, but we see your heart. We experience your heart for others, for those who are just absolutely vulnerable in the world that we live in. So even have a heart for those who are, are vulnerable to the interior sins, and the exterior sins, external sins, that keep us from knowing you. I pray that you would break a spirit of judgmentalism. I, I pray that you would break cold hearts. And I pray that you would instill the life of the Holy Spirit in us that would fill us with a love for people. And your love for those who are vulnerable. 
And I pray that you give us wisdom. I pray that you give us courage. And I pray that you give us fruit so that what we do matters, not just because it matters, but because it affects eternity. So I pray, God, give us your heart. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.